everyone. Welcome to Cathode Ray Mission. I am Will Scoville in Berkeley, California. With me, as always, is Randy Heyer in Oklahoma City. Hey, Randy. Hey, what's up, Will? How it's you me, doing? Big R. I'm doing well, hanging out, living my life. I watched the half of it today. The half of it. Netflix uh, original from 2020, uh, directed by Alice Wu. And with us this week, the person who selected this movie yeah. is uh, returning guest Stephen Koo. Stephen, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, it's me, the big S, Stephen. <laughs> uh, Stephen, uh, give us a little rundown about this movie and like why you picked it. Yeah, well, okay. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but like Netflix is definitely trying to do this thing where I think they're releasing a lot of different movies about a lot of different stuff. And then based on those trying to basically create, like, I think a formula for movies, mm -hmm. you know? And so they have a lot of like teen romance movies and teen like demographic movies. And a lot of them don't work. And sometimes they do. And I thought the half of it was definitely going to be an interesting experiment because this one is not like most of the other teen romance movies, which I do end up watching for like, you know, I just end up watching them. Um, yeah, uh, this one, the, the premise is that um, a like Chinese American, uh, like high school girl in um, a really tiny town and is the only minority there. Um, gets paid to write essays for all the other kids. And then at one point she gets paid to write um, love letters for this like football guy to uh, help like woo this girl that she also secretly has a crush on because she's also secretly lesbian, but no one else knows. Right. And that, yeah, that's pretty much the whole movie. And so this is like uh Cyrano de Bergerac, yes. Roxanne, if you're cool. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, yeah, and so she she takes on writing love letters for someone else, for someone she is actually in love with. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Um, I haven't, I don't know, we've probably seen a movie like this or episodes of a TV show like this, but I don't think I've ever seen one specifically from a teen queer angle. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. Well, okay, so like, just for frame of reference, I don't know like how many like romance movies you like watched. Like, what'd you think of this one? Um, I thought it was okay. Um, I mean, this to me, it it. Uh, I was reading some reviews about it, and um, one was from I think it was either a feminist or a queer like magazine, interest magazine, and their problem with the movie was that it didn't turn out to be kind of the groundbreaking um, young a queer romance movie that it was marketed as. Oh yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. so too. I think that's kind of what I was expecting going in and not quite what it ended up being. Yeah. Um, like in a weird way, it like sold itself as gun. Like it's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to make you like feel and think things you haven't thought or like felt before. And then it kind of didn't. It just, yeah. Like it's, it's fine. And like as a standalone, like, coming of age story it's you know coming of age story it's kind of like mm -hmm. all the other ones yeah and um so uh, in a little bit of background on this movie this was directed by alice Wu, who had another kind of a hit with saving face i'm not too familiar with her work but saving face it apparently um it 
did kind of do some business in America. Um, it was produced by Will Smith, and it was uh, a big, Holly- big-ish Hollywood movie with a Chinese-American cast, the first one since uh, The Joy of Luck Club, it says, uh, and this uh, Saving Face came out in 2004. So Alice Wu, it seems like, went quite a while without doing um, another movie. And so for whatever reason, she has not really been working that much, but was given this job as uh, as doing this kind of, uh, I don't know, it almost felt a bit like Pretty in Pink. Um, it, I, I got a little bit of a vibe from that, like the way, like her relationship yeah, with, with the dad. dad. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's good. So, and, and, and in Pretty in Pink, she literally lives on the other side of the train tracks. And in this one... She lives on the other side of the train tracks because her dad is managing some sort of something with the train. Um, and like it pretty in pink, uh, you know, Harry Dean Stanton, for whatever reason, has a hard time working. I think it's because he's an alcoholic or something. Yeah, he's a drunk, I think. Uh, in this case, uh, her dad is um, Chinese mm-hmm. and uh, so does not yet speak English uh, well enough to advance himself even though he's got like a phd or something yeah so smart dude but can't fit in because he just won't learn english it's kind of on him and so it's up to his daughter to kind of like pick up the slack a little bit um she's obviously smart she's obviously doing everyone's homework and then she has this weird relationship with like her teacher right um who is kind of Mm. who, who knows she's doing all this work um, and I, I can't remember quite, but it almost feels like she's using her to make her seem like she's a better teacher than she really is. <laughs> like that's, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. That performance. What is the actress's name? Actor's name. Sorry. Well, I, I was going to say like big art. Yeah. Uh, damn, I'm not looking at the right movie. I was like, we're, uh, that, I find, I found it really I cringed a lot. That was the worst part for me is when the teacher was on screen. Cause then at the big climatic scene at the church, when, you know, all is yeah. revealed that she has some quip at the end. It's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. If she was Becky supposed to be in the comic relationship. Or, yeah. Hey, yeah. Yay, yay, yay. So I, I do want to go back to kind of like the, and we mentioned this, Stephen, on the previous episode you were on. Mm-hmm. for extraction about Netflix kind of building out these like algorithmically, you know, kind of like they have all these like different components. Mm-hmm. So this one was high school, queer, Chinese American, <laughs> small town, goes to church. Mm-hmm. Church was a, was, yeah. was a big deal. In Atheism there. versus Christian Christianity. And it's Catholic, yeah. but it's kind of, it's not, it doesn't look Catholic to me. Although. Yeah. It has Catholic trappings and whatnot. It, it seems more like... Wait, are they, uh, is it Episcopalian? Because It might be Episcopalian because they're the, very much Catholic lights. Right. Because the guy, it's, he's not a priest, I guess. I assumed he was a priest. But he's, I guess he's You can not. be married, though, if you're Episcopalian. Damn. But you yeah, still no, wear the no, collar. So that's what I'm saying. So you must, it must be Episcopalianism. Yeah. Shit. For all I paid attention to that shit, my bad, guys. <laughs> but it's also like, you know... Dumb white football guy, small town. Yeah. All, all the like the normal white people kind of things, but also like it's just a really mixed bag of 
stuff kind of thrown into this movie and kind of sh- shaken up. And then and the we lead that, actress is Hispanic. Oh, yeah, and, and the love interest. Which I did not Hispanic. realize. Yeah. Until... Plays, well, her character is Italian. <laughs> what? Yeah. Her character is Italian. They, like, speak to her in Italian and stuff. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Shit. Edit that out, dude. I'm tired. But, I'm tired, guys. I've been playing GTA Five. I watched this movie like, <laughs> just before. I, I'm still waiting for the part where, like, you mentioned that you watched Extraction and I thought this they owned a Mexican and, restaurant. Am I? Wow, I'm just like smoking dust, guys. No, it's because the it's because the white guy made tacos is probably why you're thinking that. Like, oh yeah, he's got the taco sausage. That was weird, yeah. but that's not what I was. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what, guys. There is uh, an interesting thing about family dynamics in this movie where uh, uh, the main character, I forgot her name, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, she like eats dinner with her dad in front of the television and her right. dad likes all these old movies and everything and this is kind of where she learns how to write her love letters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at some point as the friendship between her and the jock guy, the football guy, kind of develops, he invites her over to his house for dinner. And you get to experience his big white family mm-hmm. who are just all talking over each other. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Because um, that's a perspective you don't see as being like uncomfortable at the white people's house and yeah. then choosing to leave uh, and seeing them stereotyped in a certain way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was going to say like kind of kind of um, one of the other things that you kind of just touched on when you were talking about the letters, though, was it made me realize that I thought the movie was going to involve the letters more but mm-hmm. only like two letters get exchanged yeah it's not that many and it um a lot of the stuff that i thought was was going to be a bigger deal mm-hmm. ended up not being a bigger deal and then they kept fitting on all those other things because it's like oh also uh she can play guitar and she has to in the mandatory talent show that she's in right <laughs> which i've i don't know i never went to a school with a mandatory talent show um yeah is it like more of a talent show or is it more of like a, a recital? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, that, that, that does seem like a weird juxtaposed theme because I, th- I felt like the theme or one of the lessons in the movie is don't stick around in your hometown, like your old hometown just for other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was the point in which case the talent show should have been a fuck you guys. I don't need to do anything. Like, yeah. I don't care about this town. Yeah, but it's also like she's got her dad trapping her there. Yeah. Like, but her dad won't motivate himself enough. But he's mm-hmm. also dealing with like the death of his wife and that kind of ruined him a little bit. Yeah. And I, I, so, yeah, it's it, that was interesting. But I was going to say, I actually found that to be the most Hollywood part of the whole thing was I thought it was actually super unrealistic to see an Asian parent change their mind. <laughs> about how they're raising their kid mm, okay <laughs> i've never seen that happen before in really? anything other than fiction <laughs> i've never mm. seen an asian parent change their mind about how they're raising their kid <laughs> so um, i thought yeah i was like that seems like science fiction to me pal <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah this there's a lot of weird things there's like um about fitting in because the the love yeah. interest she is also kind of a couple times, I don't know, like hanging out with these girls or something who right. I don't really understand who they are. They give her a scarf at one point. 
Yeah. And there's like, I think they were trying to show like this whole like, oh, being popular is a terrible thing. Yeah. And then there's this guy who's always hanging around. And I don't understand who that guy is. And he's the one that did like the big, you know, Bruce Springsteen performance. Oh, that's her boyfriend. Is that her that, boyfriend? That's that's supposed to be her active boyfriend. Because he proposes at the end. Yeah. Trig is, he, right. is his name, which I found yeah. strange. What is that short for? <laughs> Trigonometry. Trigger? Yeah, trigonometry. <laughs> I mean, like, but she's got, like, she's got these yeah. two other people, like, chasing after her. And, like, why why add the other element of a boyfriend when he really didn't do much? I think he was supposed to, like, represent peaking in a small town. <laughs> okay, so, like, she's got, like, the best guy. Yeah, in a but... small town. <laughs> he was way too nice. Yeah, yeah, in real like life, that guy care. would not be nice at all. Oh. Yeah, yeah. In real life, that guy would be super self conscious and constantly trying to prove that they're still the biggest, right? Like biggest person in the small town. There's a part later on where they are like interviewing him. Maybe it's like in the middle of the movie because they're you mm -hmm. know they're doing the Cyrano thing with his girlfriend, and yeah. um, it's like he would know who they are because he acts yeah. like you know more kids should interview me. I'm like, this is all right. <laughs> My problem yeah. with this movie is this is not at all how kids talk to each other or what growing up is like in any way. This is like fantasy, and it is not for me at all. So I, I'm not going to be like, fuck this movie, because it's like well-made. And I think maybe even if I was a teenager, I'd be like, this is cool. But I'm like 35 instead. And I just felt like, I don't know. I feel like there's not a whole lot of movies about teenagers that are actually honest and good. And I don't know if I would rank this movie as one of those, you know, but Netflix is definitely struggling with that. Like when you watch all these teen movies that Netflix is trying to put out, they like, I think this was Netflix's attempt at let's drop wackiness and let's go for serious and see if that'll hit people mm -hmm. because you've got like, basically I think when you, when it comes to like, to like teen, like, fiction you've got either the super like aspirational like oh like what if i was like super rich what if i was like partying all the time kind of like all that like big mansions hot dudes and all that and then you've got on the other side the oh this one actually says what i'm feeling and this is like down to earth and this one's realistic but you're right because like in this one it felt like it was trying to do that but but the way they like talk wasn't that no the way they talk mm -hmm. to each other is just like no, hell no. And the, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just when they're like doing their research and stuff, whatever. I mean, but for teenagers, especially if you don't know Cyrano de Bergerac <laughs> or Roxanne, which is, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, that's how I know it. It's a Steve Martin movie. But uh, I don't know. I just thought that I don't, it's just, it wasn't, wasn't my jam Exactly. And like, there's just certain things about it, the way it's mainly, I guess, the way that they talk and just like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're right. I, I just couldn't, I could not get past that. Shit. I thought it was so fucking corny. And <laughs> there's like, yeah, I think there's this juxtaposition of like needing, wanting to know, is this story like, is she supposed to be good at writing love letters when she's been writing essays this whole time and she doesn't know 
how about love because she's a teenager right she's never been like in love how can she write love letters etc in which case why is she the one who's so good at it right or like like i would i would argue like i think you what you're supposed to be what she should be learning is that this isn't like your essays you have to be vulnerable you have to be emotional you have to be etc 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 and i think it touched on that and just kind of assumed that that it happened but it didn't really show you it happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah this this felt like it was it was it was supposed to be one of those movies where it has that really simple hook you know writing the letters and then it kind of it does go off in another direction i've seen movies where that happens and they do it successfully and they you know you're like Oh, I didn't expect it to go that direction, and it ended up being really interesting and very good, mm-hmm. and the characters developed. Um, but in this one, it really felt that they did not know where the characters needed to end up at the end. Yeah. Um, because again, the way it's marketed is like this, you know, very much a queer, uh, you know, teen love story, mm-hmm. which you know is, you know, kids are way more open uh, to that these days than they were than I when I was in high school. So it just makes sense that you would have that, especially right now. And, it fucking and then watching rocks that too, it, it fucking there's a lot of things yeah, about this movie that are good, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean obviously, I, yeah. I like that trend, but it's just like when you watch that movie, that is not the point of the movie, and yeah. it doesn't end up with that being a big central theme of her kind of like approaching that, discovering that in a certain way. It's that, and all these little other things that never really get fully resolved. And they never keep on one track and they never keep on kind of like saying what happens at the end of it. Yeah. I don't know. Like that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. Um, I just don't know. I don't know that it really needs to be. I mean, what do you mean? Like that it's about like that they should have hooked up more or should it be more about the main character coming to terms with her sexuality or the love interest or. Or just the fact that, you know, pushing more about her leaving that town the relationship with her and her dad. I'm so tired uh, of that cliche of I'm going to college, I'm leaving town and going to college. And yeah. that is a triumph in my life. It's like, yeah. Why? I mean, I don't know. It's just like, <sighs> I, I, I just, think you're right. Right. Oh, that ahead, Like it goes all over the place of like, is this about like leaving your small town, which can be a big deal for people. Is this about repairing a relationship with your father and being honest that he's holding you back? Is it about, uh, learning what love is when you've only read about it? Is it about um, being closeted in a small town that might that already doesn't accept you for being a different kind of minority? There's a lot of different things. And then you've got the character who like hired her and they, they, they keep pushing that he has more depth than he seems to. Yep. But we don't get to what that depth is. There's, there's the thing with his family and the sausages and... Yeah. Yeah. The just the no he, the taco he's sausage at first kind of right. has to deal with yeah. his feelings. That's like a big arc for him, I guess. Yeah, but then he ends up like in a, in kind of a friendship with her dad and helping right. him through all this he, stuff. Of course he does. I don't know. It's just that kind of yeah. that could have that that could have worked, and it just them working at the train station. It made me keep thinking about that movie, The Station Agent, and with you were Dinklage? Yeah, was that last episode? I don't know if we were actually recording when you said this, but you were talking about John Wick incorporating other movies into its timeline and shit. It's like, this would yeah. be hilarious if it was like <laughs> an indie drama extended universe. It's like this, the station yes. agent. 
<laughs> Stand <laughs> by it. me. I, yes. <laughs> I, I am super for that. I, I, I still hold that I believe you could reboot The Breakfast Club as a cinematic universe of like five different teen movies that all end with them going to detention and then you find out they're all in the same detention class. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, like a an Avengers-type situation. E- exactly. Oh, Where, like, one's, goodness. like, a teen drama, one's a teen comedy, one's, like, antics, one's a sports one's movie. supernatural, but, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yes. Make with a goth one teen a supernatural movie. situation or something, yeah. Yeah, and then send them all to the same detention class. <laughs> Hell, like, well, I, yeah. Yes, that I sounds do, amazing. Actually. I do want to like relate this though to like the Breakfast Club. I know I brought up Pretty in Pink earlier, but just another John Hughes movie where all that takes place in that library for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And they're mostly just talking to each other and they don't really do much else, but that's they a really compelling movie. They smoke weed in school. That's like they insanity. Do smoke weed. Yeah. Can you imagine doing that? Having the ball, that's like the ballsiest thing. Just like we smoked weed in the library. <laughs> It's like, goddamn. And they got really excited to dance and then talk to each other uh, about their feelings openly. But the movie it's is like flawed, but good. Yeah, I mean, but he it didn't have it, any perfect movies, in my opinion. Anyway, I'm not trying to. But get he, there. but it's still like his way at approaching what teens are talking about and what teens are feeling mm-hmm. is much more developed, and he's much more sure of his his uh, position in that when he went into making those movies versus this one where I don't know if it's just her being a director for hire for Netflix or if she is actually, this is the movie she wants to make because I didn't see her last movie. I, so I don't have anything to compare that to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think, I think it's like when it comes down to it with the half of it, I think like, I like a lot of the half of it and I think I'm just disappointed at what it could have been Mm -hmm. is what, what it comes down to is I think, Okay, like having all this, like it's a lot of different representation. Having a lot of that and just normalizing it is is great. It's just like having a movie where it's just a normal movie with like mm-hmm. all yes. this representation. Yes. That's great. I I guess Parmi was just hoping that like with all this representation, there is some takeaway of letting you like letting you feel or know that like life can be better for you. Like if you like in some way of like, yeah, like you're shitty, like you're you're treated like a shitty minority in this small town but when you get out of it you like you don't have that's not the way the world has to be mm-hmm. stuff like that and it ended on just a really like i guess it kind of ends on a well that's just how life is yeah sort of note well one thing i i will say that as far as you know um uh, getting to a certain point where um in this movie they have you know not only is she chinese american but she's uh she's queer and having both of those and not necessarily pointing to those all the time and being, yeah. you know, it's like a huge, like, see, see, see. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it is normalized. But then on the other side, um, having it be a thing where, okay, this isn't very good. And so it's finding true equality where you can just have those in a movie and yeah. not having that be like the representation of all queerness or all like, uh, yeah. minorities is just another movie that's made and it might be good. It might be bad. It just has these things and it's not bad because it has those things in it. Yeah. It's I think just like, it just yeah. is judged against every other movie that's out there. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it, it's weird. Like 
I think as I'm talking to you about this, this is one of those things where it's like, I wish I had someone who was like, well, like, well studied in cinema to explain this sort of stuff to me better. But like, I feel like um, she never addressed almost any of that with her, her dad, like her dad at the end of the movie doesn't know that she's gay. No. And like her dad just accepts that she's going to college. Well, he he also has that arc of him understanding what he needs to do and that yeah. he needs to learn English so he can do better with his life because he is holding her back. Yeah. And he he has to realize that, you know. Um so there I mean there is that bit of resolution that I saw in there, but yeah. So cool. Well, why don't we take a break and come back with our rating and recommendation? Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Welcome back, and we are now ready for our big roundup of the half of it. Uh, so we're going to start with Stephen. Stephen, what did yeah. you rate this movie? Yeah, I, so I've watched a lot of like uh, different like teen romance and stuff like that, and I actually do think this is for its seriousness. I do think I'd rate it just a little bit higher. It's not. It's not your like Christmas Prince trash. <laughs> you know, it's still. A lot, like as much, like as much as I criticized it, I was holding it to a higher bar than those. So this is definitely better than that. So I'd say this is definitely like three point five out of five for me. Okay, uh, I will go next. Uh, I I think I had the same opinion as you, uh, Stephen. I didn't really care for it. It's not my kind of movie, but um, it is better than those types of movies. Um, yeah. I think not by much, but by enough that if you're into this kind of soft style of movie that really doesn't have a whole lot of like huge stakes in it. Um, then this might be something that's a little bit more challenging slightly. Um, and you might like it. So for that, I am going to give it three stars, just a, just kind of middle, middle ground, three stars on that one. Um, it's not for everybody. It's definitely not for me, but it might be for someone. Randy. Oh, I uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll try not to completely echo what you just said. This to me, it's hard because I don't watch a lot of stuff like this, so it is kind of a shock to the system for me to like. It's like jumping into the pool; and it's a little cold or something. It's like, oh my goodness, what, what the fuck? So I mean. I, and when you you referred to it as a romance movie earlier, I didn't even it didn't really occur to me. I mean, it is, but mainly I was just thinking this is a teen movie, and I had actually yeah. had a discussion about teen movies with my friends the other day. We were wondering about if they were making movies and like what what movies teenagers are really identifying with right now, or if it's more like TV shows, or if they watch whatever they watch, you know? Because I'm old, I don't have kids too i'm not old but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah now you're old we're all old <laughs> <laughs> but um um anyway so i don't know but i just i even if i was a kid i think i would have watched this and like whatever but now it was sort of a chore for me <laughs> but yet it does have all these things about it that make it special and so I must give it three out of five stars. <laughs> Even though it, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a full. Hey, I hate that because you're talking about the algorithm. It's like, yeah, you're right, maybe. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's made by a woman who has made another movie. A that queer is also, woman of color. Yeah. Right. Like and there is also she made another movie about. Um like the Asian American experience and whatever. And that's awesome. So I, I have a hard time total. This isn't like I, some cynical product. I think it was probably no. shown at festivals and bought by Netflix. And that's why, yeah. but it does check a lot of boxes and I mean, but whatever, you know, I mean, maybe it's savvy to do that anyway. I feel like, yeah, I feel like to that point, I think, I think what's what it is is I think it's a fine foundation for another director or writer to go and take it further. Is what absolutely it is. yeah. So we're gonna see you know when a movie like this really kind of breaks out, be it on Netflix, be it in theatrically, you know, there is going to eventually be a why a, a movie about queer teenagers or queer teenagers of color that is going to have broad breakout success yes. and i just don't think this one's it but. no but it will get mentioned when that one finally hits and you have yes. like kind of whatever long tail that comes off of that you're going to say well there were certain foundational movies that yep that really started this and it was not as great but it is you know you see where they're trying to to make that work and make that happen mm -hmm. like this is the kind of movie that needs to exist for someone to get inspired to make a better right. one yeah so I think that that is why and, and this is a, this is weird. And, uh, you know, giving a movie that I really didn't care for such a high mark simply for those reasons that there's enough stuff in there that's interesting enough that they're kind of trying um, that makes it worth uh, watching at least once and kind of understanding yeah. it from that perspective. So um, yeah. truth be told, I would never watch this if you wouldn't if this wouldn't have been. I don't think I would either. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not like Look at me broadening your flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's good for me to get out of my box, my bubble, my cage. It's yeah. what it is. It's a cage. It's good for me to get out of my cage once in a while and watch something like this. 
But yeah, I mean, it's it is something that I would probably never watch, but um, yeah, it's just I don't have to like it, but I should watch it anyway just to understand what else is going on, whether kind of people are watching movies or whatever. Right, and now I mean. But I've also answered my question I had last night. I have sort of a frame of reference of like what I assume teens are watching this. I imagine, too, I'm thinking about this. There is some girl out there, probably I would I would venture to guess a couple hundred girls out there that this is like perfect. This is their they, movie. This is them or something in some way. You know, this yeah. is like just like a message from God, you know, like, so I don't know, that kind of warms my heart. And I will admit, <laughs> I, I was so mad. I was cursing at the movie, but it did make me cry at the end when they came. Oh, really? I was like, fuck you movie. I was like, I cry. At everything. <laughs> I, I watched season. I've been watching all the Simpsons and season two just wrecks. Yeah. Me. We, we just finished that. It's like, yeah. it's just like, Oh my goodness. So yeah. I mean, I don't know this movie. I was just like, I was I watched it in the morning too. I think that that kind of plays into that that emotion uh, emotional. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was, um, I was really mad at the movie for making me cry though. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Let's do some recommendations on this one, uh, Stephen. What else would you recommend based on this one? So this is a tough one because I would say if you want to look for things that are about like like um, like Asian like minority representation, I really enjoyed. Uh, Never Have I Ever, the TV series on Netflix. I thought that did some amazing, like, cultural, like, representation of what it means to not just be Asian, but Asian American. Mm -hmm. And so I would super recommend that. But it suffers from the same flaw that this movie has, which I would love to actually hear recommendations for everyone who's listening about um, both Never Have I Ever and this movie. They don't, they don't talk like how teenagers talk now. <laughs> they don't act like how teenagers act now. Mm -hmm. um, like, teenagers don't really have like concrete clicks like they used to anymore. The whole popular girl click thing and all that stuff, that's not as really a thing as much anymore. Um, at least from like what I've seen and what I like when I talk to people and like other teachers and stuff like that. So I want to hear like recommendations from people about what do you think captures being like a teenager in 2020 right now the mm -hmm. best? I, I want recommendations for that. And that, that is interesting. That's a good idea, yeah. Because I think the director of this is kind of a Gen X uh, from the yes. Gen X generation. And she, um, yeah, and, and I, okay, I haven't watched 21 Jump Street all the way through. For sure. Um, and so there is that part, but I have seen enough of 21 Jump Street where they go in and Channing Tatum is trying to treat high school yep. as it was when he was in high school. And yep. so the director uh, like of this. When we were in high school, I, I kind of, yeah. that was really funny. Yeah. I mean, it was like, what he's thinking about was also when I was in high school. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so to know that that has changed and to know that, yeah, exactly what you were saying, Stephen. Um, so she's maybe taking this from a different perspective, but also, you know, um, I don't know what it's like in a small town anymore. That's I great. don't know how, how much maybe, they have changed. Yeah. Maybe it's still the nineties out there. That's maybe. What I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so recommendations from me, uh, I think pretty in pink is a very good, uh, version of this, um, that also has some eh, stuff that's not so great. Uh, really a lot of those John Hughes movies, the, this, uh, breakfast club and even Ferris Bueller, uh, to just kind of understand what kids in this, um, uh, time of their lives are kind of thinking about and, um, 
does so a little bit better, but maybe doesn't recognize, doesn't reflect what it is like now. But as far as I know, I think those movies are still popular among teenagers. Like, uh, like every few years, there's a new wave of teens, and they all kind of discover the, those movies, and they still hold up for them. So, yeah, Randy. Um, I I was thinking about this, and last night when I was talking about that, uh, we were talking about this. I I realized. I think my favorite movie about teens, and I did watch this as a teenager, and I do recommend that all teens, all of our teen, you know, all of our teen listeners, (laughs) 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 of which there are just, you know, too many to count. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the Dollhouse Mm. is my favorite movie Mm. about being a teenager because the thing, the crucial element that Todd Salons, like, zones in on is the cruelty Mm-hmm. of being that age and how mean everyone is like the kids are to each other and how mean parents seem and how they mean they actually are you know and then also how mean you act out because of like because it's just like it's like Don the main character Don Wiener is just like abused like she's bullied like horribly at school and then her mom is terrible um clearly like favors the oldest son and the younger daughter like over she's like kind of the runt almost like she's the dad i guess that she's sort of the dad's favorite but he is like very absent he's like mm. hardly around and I, I love the way it depicts parents and stuff like how much the parents are involved like and that that's sort of like I don't know. To me, Welcome to the Dollhouse is like a perfect fucking movie. It just captures something so true about being that old. That one is very brutal. And that one came out like when I was in high school. So I junior high was really bad for me. And that really reflected a lot of like what I went through for junior high. Dude, the opening uh, scene where she's looking for a place to sit in the lunchroom is the most horrible thing. It's so it's so painful and real. That that one's. My mom watched that separately from me, but she said she got kind of triggered from that scene because when she was in high school, someone else had that experience that she she watched it from a third person and then understood it completely. That's kind of what that movie is about in a way, you know. But, you know, it's like what you're saying about that is like where she has she takes that on because she wants to be like she wants to get out of that so bad. And this is how I have to act towards people in order to be accepted is when she has that friend who's like younger than her. I know that's one of the most heartbreaking scenes in any movie. Oh my god! And, and like, and like he tell calls. Him I don't want to talk. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, that yeah. one. That it's it's really like. There's a part uh, in the later in the movie. Her friend Ralphie is this sweet little boy who is clearly gay or um, LGBT or just younger. Yeah. He's just like. Well, I think I think that he's like he's a. He, I don't know. He's. He's like he a, a sensitive little kid in elementary school. He is a sensitive little, yeah, no, he's a sensitive little kid. The way Todd Salons portrays him, though, like, he has that, that character's in a lot of his movies and stuff. Mm. And, like, anyway, whatever. He's, like, a sweet little boy, and, like, her brother answers the phone. He's like, Ralphie wants to talk to you. And she's like, tell him I don't want it. She says some of the worst stuff and, like, all these, like, homophobic slurs and stuff that earlier in the movie, the bully, one of the most excellent performance child performances ever brendan sexton the third he is calling ralphie and she's echoing Mm -hmm. that later in the movie and you just there's a shot of ralphie with the phone to his ear and he just it's i'm 
I'm, it's like, it's hard to even, it's just like, it's sort of like, remember that scene in Taxi Driver where he's getting rejected on the phone and the camera pans over to the hallway and the whole story is Scorsese thought that that was the most brutal part of the movie and he couldn't watch it. Well, Todd Salons has the balls to put the camera right on his 12-year-old boy's face, (laughs) just watching his heart break. It's, oh my God. Well, Todd Great Salons movie. now. Great movie. He he made a series of those just like brutal movies, and then he made one that was like not, and it did very well. And he was like, "Why haven't I made making these movies?" Which one? My whole career. Would you? Say? I don't know which one it was. Wiener um, Dog. No, I think it was the one after that, but I, I haven't seen his most recent works. But he had one that had like kind of mass appeal, and it was not depressing. And I don't know what that would be though. I don't either, but okay. I, I mean, I could, I could point it out to you after the show, but, um, he's just like, no, the, like I made money off of this one. It was great. People liked it. I should have just been doing these movies my entire career <laughs> instead of like making people sad. So, um, anyway, uh, great. Thank you everyone. Let's, uh, pitch some stuff. Uh, Steven, what do you got going on? Uh, nothing. So you can just find me on Twitter, uh, at the super Q T H E S U P E R K U. Or you can just uh, check out the other podcast I do with Will, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates, where we get comedians to debate completely random things. Yeah, it's a fun show. Um, I love doing it. Um, for me, you know, check that out, uh, that show. Check out Doc if you like documentaries. It's a bit like this, but we talk with comedians and filmmakers, musicians, whatever, about documentary. Um, and, uh, and I've been doing that for about five years now, so quite a few episodes to check out. Uh, Randy, what's, what's going on with you? Oh, not a whole lot. I'm my band chat pile has a record coming out. Maybe it's out by now. Who knows? <laughs> uh, you can find us on Spotify though. Find my other project, Randy rules on Spotify. Maybe at this point, by the time this comes out, that's going to be happening at some point soon. So you can find all that shit on Bandcamp and find me on Instagram and Twitter, if you want to, and Letterbox. Cool. Yep, and the show's also on Instagram and Letterbox in some capacity. Uh, we have links to everything in the show notes of this episode. Check it out. And uh, until next time, uh, Stephen, thank you for, for coming on again. Yeah, Randy, absolutely. I'll catch you next time. Yeah, very good, Mr. Willenium. Thank you, Stephen, for coming on again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was yes. a blast.